0: Yo, yo, welcome to another brand new episode of the award winning, world famous Behind the Baller podcast. This is a Dust Brothers professional podcast production. Nothing but museum quality podcasting every Monday. And Thursday, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Guys, I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble. Also known as the Korean John Cusack, but today I am the Korean Anthony Fauci. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a fucking show for you, okay? If you are having a tough Monday, I promise you this is going to be the best entertainment you will get today because I got a lot A lot of shit to say. All right, guys, you guys ready, man? All right, let's fucking go. We have a very special interview today. Um, We have an entrepreneur, Brian Berber, founder of the Deadstock Sneaker app. And he's not only smart and rich, he's Filipino. Okay. What does that mean? It means a lot because I back my Asians, you know what I'm saying? So just make sure that you download the Deadstock app if you fuck with sneakers and shit. Go ahead. I was introduced to this dude from my pate, my bro Jeff, who owns Riff. So definitely, you know, download that app. But guys, let's get right into this shit, okay? Like right deep into the toilet, okay? Like Drano. Like fuck Drano. What the fuck's the other thing? We're, we're literally like a plunger, we're going right deep, okay? Look, I think 18 years of age is quite young, okay? And in the last 20 or so years, I think 18 the age 18 is not really a great measurement for naming, labeling somebody an adult. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say, okay? When I was 18, I was all over the place. And yeah, you know, I left my home, not by choice, at 16. But even at 18, I wasn't ready for the world like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, fuck it, here it is. And I'm an adult and, you know, I'm ready to fucking start my life. And I mean, sure, I deep dived into it. But I'm saying, if I had to, for sure, I was going to do whatever is needed to survive and, you know, be on my own. You know, I didn't really have any financial assistance from anybody. You know, my mom would help me out here and there, but I'm talking about like, no, not really, you know. So with that said, my skin was way thicker and tougher than the deepest tide of leather. Okay. And definitely, I just don't see my kids having the same thick, you know, toughness and you know, thick skin and whatever. And I see the kids today, I don't give a fuck anyone entitled or anything like you two people that just like, oh, I had it so shut the fuck up because you were broke and you fucking couch surfed. Shut the fuck up. Okay, what I'm really trying to say is 18 is too young to say you're an adult. For some people, even at 21, that might be a little young, right? Might be a little little too early to say it. But once you are a grown adult and you can order an alcoholic beverage, and I know in Canada it's different, Mexico and all that shit I'm talking about, in America, okay, now you hold the power to potentially kill someone if you're driving behind the wheel of a car, Okay? An adult should be able to make better decisions. And still, you know what? You see people in the Midwest or like in Alabama or fucking different areas or whatever. Not necessarily the major areas where you would think that they would grow up. But people grow up a lot faster. People have kids faster in like fucking, I don't know, Tennessee. Or like in fucking Colorado or some shit, right? What I'm getting at is, you know, there's a lot of shit that holds people back. They're sheltered. But now, what I'm trying to get at is, even smart adults my age little younger than me, 30s, whatever, they fuck up, okay? And now some people are like, what the fuck is Ben talking about? What I'm trying to say is, after a certain age, there is nobody left to blame when you are an adult, because what I'm about to say right now has gotten me so fucked up that I've been wanting to record this show for the last, I mean, I've been just dying inside. It's been, there's so many different fucking things that are going through my body right now, but this is one of them. And this man that I'm about to talk about was a dear friend of mine. And he was always kind to me. So I am going to try to say this with a lot of bias. Okay? You know, I'm going to say this with a lot of bias. I'm going to be nice, as nice as I can, because there's not many nice things I have to say. All right? TK, Terry Kennedy, a.k.a. Compton Ask Terry, I love you bro Okay You are so talented You are so blessed You are a young black man Good looking You have two beautiful daughters What the fuck went wrong bro Okay I wish your grandma was still alive Because she kept you like in check She kept you in order bro With that tough love Your grandma was hard You know She was really a great human. She was there for you, you know, and she really was like your only guidance. I know that. But bruh, what the fuck went wrong? How? Why? I wish this was in video. If you guys could see, I have goosebumps all over my body. I know we just talked last month and we reconnected and been talking a little bit and it sounded like you were in good spirits. I could tell like you were anxious and you were like, you know what I'm saying? Like you were trying to prove that you're a good dude and everything and whatever. And it's been a minute. And I'd heard some stories of you doing like cryptic videos on the internet, gangbanging on the internet, talking crazy shit, talking like making threats or whatever it may be. And look, I, I didn't even watch him because I don't want to see that side of you, right? A lot of people said you were doing drugs. And the Terry Kennedy that I knew from 2007 to 2015 would never do drugs, weren't that guy, okay? Not, not being delusional or anything, I'm just saying that's not the Terry that I knew. Okay. Now I know we lost touch with one another, but bro, you know, over five years or so, I know we tried to catch up a little bit. We had about an hour and a half convo. We talked, but look at at one point, Terry, you were the hottest thing living. You were signed to BBC. You were Pharrell's skater. You had the hottest shoe in the world. You were out selling Yeezys. You were out selling Jordans. You were you were on Supra. You were assigned to Baker Skateboards. You were dating Angela Simmons, and she was on a big fucking TV show, and she's fucking the daughter of an enormous icon, right? You had money in your pocket. You had money in the bank. You had money coming in. You had a house, nice cars. You were on tour, bro, for a skater. You had a side business with Fly Society. You even had a rap career with Fly Society. And somewhere shit went wrong. I don't know, I guess in the last couple years. And I don't know if it was your grandma's passing. You know, I'm sure that was some of it, right? But bro, there's zero excuse. You are father to two young girls who need you. Like there is no excuse. So allegedly Terry Kennedy got into it with a young skater in the Midwest, just in the outskirts of Chicago. And while I'm in Chicago, this is going on. And not far from where the fucking national was, okay? He was hanging out with some young skaters. I talked to a dude who owns a skate shop out there. And, um, you know, he knew the whole situation because he was dealing with Terry. And I'm not saying this to be degrading or anything. It's just being true. Like, these were broke kids. You know, broke skaters on the come up. Talented, I'm sure. I'm just saying, you know, they weren't like at all. Were they wealthy, rich? Had they seen or ate You know, like Terry, had they seen the paper like Terry? And what I know from several of the deceased, right, the young man's friends that is no longer here, I was told that you were one of his idols, bro, okay? And that's not far-fetched, I get it. There aren't that many black skaters, especially when you were coming up, that, you know, you were inspiration for a lot of people, okay? There was some sort of disagreement at a motel, Bro, at a motel, not even a hotel. Like, bro, I'm just not understanding. How was you mixing with this? Like, you know, like, I don't get, like, how were you in such the wrong place by choice and at the wrong time? Terry, I'm so sad because, again, you had the fucking world in your hands. Bro, you had me in your music videos, right? You were on my fucking reality TV show, my real reality TV show on Fuse, okay? Okay. I went on world tour with you, bro, to promote your shoe. We crushed it. We fucking destroyed Long Beach. We killed Houston, Atlanta, D.C., New York, fucking Europe, Australia, you name it. All you had to do was stay focused, skate, rap, and collect your money. And I know, look, not everyone stays hot forever, but look at Stevie Williams, man, right? He's always pivoted and figured shit out and low key you had more of an impact than he did and you had definitely more fire. So I'm just fucking I'm so shocked. I'm so confused. I'm I'm so sad. Like bro, why? Was it really drugs, bro? Like who the fuck like tell me who introduced you to like bro? What, what maybe was there some sort of PTSD? That I didn't know about. Maybe from your grandma. Did it hit your mentals that hard? Like do you understand? Everyone we mutually know. Has hit me in the last 48 hours. Even Drake hit me bro. And Drake fuck with you heavy. You know that. Nick Diamond. You know all these random pro skaters hit me up. It doesn't make sense. Bro you made it out the mud. Out the hood. And now you might do life in prison. I'm at a loss of words. Other than that, I'm so fucking sad. I know most of you listening right now are like, who the fuck is Terry, right? And some of you do. But look, if he made top news on TMZ, he was somebody. So respect the fact that I'm taking this time to talk out to a friend, okay? Now, some of you guys might be saying, Ben, what the fuck you, bro? If he killed... Allegedly killed, right? I don't know. I mean, for when it sounds like he did, right? You know, you guys are probably like, he shouldn't get a second chance. And I know this man, okay? He was kind to me, to my family, to everyone I knew, right? I'm going to be following this story, but man, it, <laughs> Terry, if you really did that, bro, you got to live with those consequences. For the rest of your life, dog. That's it. Now, I don't know, man. Is there an afterlife or something after? I don't know. Is there parole after 30? I don't know. You get out when you're 70 or 60? I don't know, Terry. I do know that you're a man of God, but this shit, again, just does not make any sense. TK, you know I'm not a religious man, but I'm spiritual, so I will pray that you somehow find yourself again and that you find peace. And you stay safe somehow, and you figure out a way to truly repent. (sighs) BTB Army, I'm sorry, listen again. This is such a huge learning lesson because one, this ain't fiction, okay? This is a man who had the world in his hands. He was in full control of his legacy and his future, and he flushed it down the toilet, okay? Guys, I need you to think about your future. Some of you guys don't even know what you're going to do yet, and you're still in your late 20s, maybe. That's fine. But you need to visualize things. Some people say, you got to live for today. That's true to a certain extent, but you got to plan for tomorrow, you know? And you got to have some goals, okay? You got to turn your tragedies into triumphs. All right, so I just had to say that part and I really do want to focus on this thing, but this shit came out of nowhere. You think I wanted to fucking talk about this shit? This shit came out of no fucking where. Like I saw this shit on the fucking airplane console. What the fuck? This this is impossible. Okay. But now look, we will get more into focus and locking in. But right now, I do have to put the spotlight on a man who cornered the vaping business game. And is a lover of shoes Is true to the sneaker game And is trying to reinvent the sneaker app game And revolutionize the sneaker game in whole Okay, ladies and gentlemen We have to pay some bills So Lakey Lake is going to play some beats And we're going to cut to a commercial break real quick And then I'm going to bring you Brian from Deadstock App Okay guys, we'll be right back Yo, Miles, hit me one time, sir You've got to get your grillable goods from moinkbox.com. Moinkbox delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door, helping family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and Moink Meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. Sign up at Moinkbox.com baller to get a year of bacon for free. And then pick what meat you want delivered with your first box. Change what you get each month and cancel any time. Perfect for parties and at-home dinner dates, Moink was founded by an eighth-generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank. Host Kevin O'Leary says it's the best bacon he's ever tasted, and I agree, it's delicious. And Jamie Siminoff, creator of the Ring video doorbell, invested in Moink. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com baller right now and listeners to this show get free bacon for a year. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com baller. That's moinkbox.com baller. What's good, Btb Army? Yo, we have a special episode today. It's real crazy because 200 fucking episodes, and I never talked about sneakers like, or I never had a sneaker dude on here. Didn't have like my pate Jeff or nothing like that at all. It's just really weird, right? Didn't have my boy Domainy from from a Flight Club, who actually you know was vintage kicks back in the day, and any of the Nike talk, NT dudes, nothing. And of all fucking people, randomly meet somebody through my boy Jeff. And uh, he's here on the podcast today. We got my boy, Brian Berber uh, from Deadstock app. Brian, what's good, bro? Yo, what's happening? So, bro, okay. Filipino, which I had no idea, especially when I saw the last name. You know, I didn't know. That's a good thing. So, Pinoy. All right. All love. You got an app in a crazy world where people take L's every day on the sneakers app. And people are mad about this, that, and a third. And there's StockX. And, you know, every day it's fuck this app, fuck that app. And then they still use it. Okay, so bro, so you're starting a sneaker app or you, I'm sorry, he's launched a sneaker app. It is live, you download it now. It is called Deadstock app. Bro, what is Deadstock?
1: All right, so Deadstock is the next generation sneaker and streetwear app available on iOS, Android, and the web. Um, We basically use a ton of technology behind it, including blockchain, NFC tags, and uh, we're here to just revolutionize the sneaker industry.
0: Hold on, bro. So you will probably be the first sneaker app to accept uh, crypto then? We could be. We will be
1: the first marketplace that offers buy, sell, trade. So basically ongoing. What we want to do for the trade aspect is be the first place for like, people like have Yu-Gi-Oh cards, any types of cards, memorabilia to trade uh, item for item with cash up or down.
0: Oh, shit.
1: Yeah. And okay. we also, we're also tied to blockchain. So we could do NFTs at a later time. We could do. Uh, we can accept crypto payments. We're using one of the top 20 coins on CoinMarketCap right now. Breaking news, I'll tell you this right on the Ben Baller podcast, is we are using VeChain as a supply chain. So basically, how we're revolutionizing the sneaker community and authenticity and bring it to the highest level it's ever been is we have the first photo ledger paired on immutable ledger on blockchain. So basically, how this happens is an item comes into our office. It gets authenticated. Once it passes our authentication, and honestly, we probably have one of the best authentication teams in the US, we take photos of, that, of those sneakers because every sneaker is different, whether it's from left sneaker or right sneaker or from pair to pair. And what we do is we load data, which is photos of your actual sneakers onto blockchain. And when you scan our NFC chip, the ledger shows up. It's like having um, like a certificate of authenticity with an actual picture for the item.
0: Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. So that's a good thing. So you're thinking about the future. Yeah. Um, So is this a global app or is it only going to be US only for right now?
1: Right now, we have three warehouses, LA, Queens, New York, and Atlanta, Georgia. But the second, obviously because of the pandemic, the second that the borders open in Europe or Asia... Our passports are ready, and my team is ready to go and open warehouses there.
0: Okay, what about Mexico and Canada?
1: Canada, we're already doing that. Mexico, we're already doing that. Um, that's North America is is fully covered. We can. So basically, we can ship worldwide from LA, New York, or Atlanta, but we won't have uh, sellers' items from abroad come to, come to the states yet because it's too expensive.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, what made you want to start an app? Like, what were you doing before all of this?
1: Oh, it's crazy. So. I had signed a lease. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> I'm, I'm shopping in WeHo, right? So I'm going to like Beverly, Rodeo, Fairfax, Melrose. I'm just shopping for clothes, right? So I'm walking through these stores. This is a pre-pandemic. And, and I roll into this one shop three doors down from Supreme. And like through the window, I see a cactus plant fee market hoodie that I'm interested in. So I, I pop in and I notice that there's a small felice sign on the top of it. So I go into the store, I buy this hoodie, right? And I'm talking to this fool. I'm like, yo, like, is this place for lease? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lease it upstairs. In my head, I'm like, I don't want the upstairs. I want this whole damn store, okay. right? So I already know it's for lease. and I know this guy's not doing well because based on his product out there, like everything was just bare minimum, right? So anyways, long story short, I leave the spot. I, I hit up my realtor and I'm like, yo, please figure out who the, the landlord is for this place, right? Because the photo, like the lease sign didn't really have like a representative, right? So anyways, long story short, my realtor finds a person who owns it. We get paired to a realtor and we get a contract started with my lawyer. And so this is before the app. Like my plan wasn't to do an app it's like- trying
0: to open an actual brick and mortar store. Brick
1: and mortar store, three doors down from Supreme on the left-hand side. Like the right side of Fairfax in the Mecca, like you're playing the game, it's crazy. Anyways, so it's so like I was saying, We get a contract together. I pay this guy 200 Gs. First last month rent with damage deposit. This guy is supposed to have the rights to sublease this location.
0: Oh, man.
1: Dude. So I give this guy 200 bands and I'm fighting for it for like four months. Then Mark from Illist, I'm talking to Mark like late night. I'm like, yo, Mark, like, I don't know. Do you know these guys? And he's just, he's like, yeah, like, uh, let me, let me find out. So I think he calls, he calls Ben hundreds. Okay. So he calls up Ben Hunter. And he's like, yo, like, because Ben has real estate on Fairfax, right? Yeah, trust me. I know Ben, no he's, he's deep on Fairfax. So Mark calls Ben. Ben knows this guy. And he's like, dude, this guy, like, we there's a California law, right? Where yeah. you can push a guy to judgment in like 15 days. So my lawyers are pressing. We know all this real estate. We know everything about this one dude. And he's just like dodging us right now. So uh, Mark gets on the phone with Ben, calls up this dude. Next day, money's in my account. And to this day, like, that guy, shady as shit. So basically what I did is like...
0: Let's put him on blast, bro. Who is it?
1: JMR Realty. Do you know what JMR Realty is?
0: No, nah, man. Uh, for those of you who know, you obviously know me and Ben and Bobby. Uh, I helped out the hundreds before they even fucking had a store or a business, period. Yeah. Uh, me, DJ Am and uh, DJ Homicide are big parts of that. He's, when he says Mark from Illis, he's talking about Mark Arsenal, who's on the show. Early on, over a year, way before the pandemic, when he came on the show at Van Culture, but me and Mark Arsenal have been friends for almost 20 years as well. That's random shit. Okay, so you're going to open a store and then you didn't. What were you doing before opening a store?
1: I, have, I still have one of the largest vaping companies in the US. Oh, nice. Yeah, so um, okay. I have everything from real estate... I man, I've been an entrepreneur for over like eighteen years. I look like I'm twenty, but I'm thirty six.
0: Okay, and so you, so, like, so you have I, like uh like vape juice and all that stuff.
1: I have vape juices. I've designed flavors for a lot of the brands. Um, yeah, I have a co-packing business that packs for like like bottles. So you could do like CBD. You could do. Any have of you that. ever
0: used uh, sea salt technology before?
1: Yeah, I, I, well, not sea salt. I, I've done like just nick salts.
0: Okay, no, yeah. I'm just saying because you know that's I used to own a huge cannabis vape company. Okay, so let me ask you a question, man. So. How do you plan on attacking, you know, because, bro, it's there's so much saturation. The thing is, there really isn't, yeah. but there is. Like even, I had a friend of mine who had an app. I forgot what the fuck it was called. I feel so bad. My boy, Kamar. he's actually a really smart dude. He had an app that kind of had a little, you know, a little success. He had some people behind it. He had some angel money. He had some VC money. Don't know what happened. I forgot what, I feel so embarrassed because I know the dude.
1: You know what the biggest problem in a lot of these businesses is? Is they're overfunded. A lot of people think that, like, just because you get, get angel investing off the start, that it's going to be successful. The problem is it's like giving someone money that doesn't know what to do with it. Like, if you have no track record of making money and then you get an investment, it's not going to make your life easier in business.
0: What's going to separate you from StockX, from Goat? Does Flight Club even have online? Uh, they have they an online, but do they have an app? They, I don't believe they have an app, no. Okay. Yeah. So, so what separates you from any competitor in the sneaker game?
1: Okay, for one, we have one of the best authentication teams, bar none, in the U.S. Okay, so we do have authenticators from Go. We do have authenticators from StockX, and what we've been able to do over this past year of building this app is pretty much is train them out of flow. So normally, when you get trained as an authenticator, you're like shadowing someone as sneakers pop through and they're authenticating, right? You don't really get a chance to sit with and get these touches with all these sneakers. So we built that really well. Um, another thing that we're, that's going to separate us is, like I said, tech. We're the most advanced sneaker and streetwear marketplace. Uh, like I said, the first buy, sell, trade marketplace. We had the first like, solid affiliate program for it. Um, we are using blockchain, AI. Um, and then moving forward, we're going to expand on all that tech.
0: Okay, so let me stop you for a second, okay? Um, for those of you who know, I had the first ever IPO on StockX, uh, buddy of mine Josh Luber started the app. Dan Gilbert, who also he owns basically half of Detroit, he uh, owns the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's the one who wrote that letter to LeBron when LeBron left in Comic Sans font, right? So Dan and Josh flew me out to Detroit for the StockX. I went to the factory, went to their authentication center, went to everything. It was fucking massive operation, right? Um, they took care of me. I had my first ever. Uh, drop with them, happened to be their first IPO. When you go to StockX University, you see the thing. And it's the Ben Bar to the chain slides, they did really well. I wish I fucking had more pairs. Going on and going forward, I would see Jeff and his team at Riff authenticate shit here and there. And to tell you the truth, the only time I ever saw Jeff say, I can't buy these shoes, and it's not that he didn't want to, it's just he couldn't tell that's how good it was, was when the Red Octobers came out. And if you remember, because you're 36, you should remember, when those dropped, Nike dropped the ball. Yeezy was like, fuck this shit, whatever, boom. And I was talking to Kanye at the time, and it was like a weird situation. They were coming all over the place. You already know the shoes were in Memphis. That's where the hub is for, um, for Nike, right? So when all these shoes started coming out of random places, people didn't know if they're real, they're not. The box was legit and everything. Let me ask you, and you just spit some real fucking game. Okay. Now, I assume, obviously, you've been a millionaire. You're an entrepreneur. You've done all that, right? You obviously know that. Like, you know, I've I sometimes feel like, yo, you be like, you do not have money, right? Like, some people be like, oh, sure. wait a second. But what I'm saying, I tell people, and like, some people think like it's a joke still. And you're sitting in a room with millions of dollars, right? Just the room alone, right? Let's take all the walls down, and everything. Just what's in here, right? I have to tell people sometimes, like, do you realize, like, what I fucking done in my life and how hard it was to get where I'm at? So, with that said. The first time I heard the word angel money or venture capitalist was probably in 1999, 2000. I didn't know what that meant, and the tech boom was just starting. Now, with that said, I remember having too much money and we spent it on Matsuhisa, we spent it on all kinds of crazy shit, spent it on trips here and there, whatever, boom. Then we're like, yo, man, we really just did all this shit and now we realize, yo, we, we gotta pay these motherfuckers back. Okay. There has to be an ROI. Yeah. Right. And what are we doing now on the other end where I'm at today? Imagine the people that want to buy an and Co. or even buy into the Ben Baller brand. I can get millions from me. Right? I can get. I'm sure you could find like, hey, you know what, Brian? Could you find me a couple million dollars to expand my company? If you didn't want to do it directly, you'd find somebody for me. Or 100%. Be easy. Yeah. Problem is, I don't want that. Yeah. Okay. Listeners out there, the BTB Army. Do you want to know why? Because I don't need it. Okay. So if I needed it, it would maybe because of like, all right, you know what? Let me just have some shit in a different area. Let me start a corporation in like um Florida. So let me have some money out there in a Florida court boom, have some people out there help me up so they could do things and they're over there with boots on the ground. Okay, I don't need that because I have the own money here in Cali to run what I need to run, fulfillment centers, whatever. But if I start taking money. Now I'm fucking into my profit. I'm fucking into owing people shit. And a lot of people don't know that. So I really appreciate you dropping yeah. that game. One, part two, back to the authentication. What is the illest fake shoe you've ever seen where you're like, yo, dude, this is fucking crazy.
1: Illest fake shoe, I don't know. I mean, like my authentication team knows every sneaker. I don't I, don't I really- I understand that, but- Yeah, for myself?
0: You no, know what I'm saying, okay, look it. Jeff was telling me that StockX has sold some fake sneakers. I'm like, Yo, how is that? How is that possible, bro? You know how hard it is to get past. So let's let's turn back
1: into like this this money thing and like angel investors. So another thing that's very different about Deadstock and let's say Goat or StockX is this: when you keep your money in the business, okay, here's how it goes. It goes CEO, management, customers, and that's the trend. It's up and down. It's vertical. Yep. But when you get IPO money, VC money, that structure of business changes. It goes CEO, management, right beside it is shareholders, and then all the way down to customers. That's a break in the entire chain. So now, when you're talking about StockX pushing fake sneakers, guess what? It's because they only care about their quarterly earnings. Mm. They don't care. They don't work for the customer anymore. They work for their shareholders. And they're letting some, they have
0: to let some things go.
1: Yo, it's money to make these shareholders happy. It's like happy. a police
0: officer writing a ticket. And yeah, sometimes it's exactly. like, yo, I was doing 57, I was 55. And they're doing it because they need a quota and they have to make exactly. sure that they get the city. Okay, so just going back to sneakers, right? Sure. What fakes have you seen that are really good?
1: I would say definitely a Red October. That's definitely something. Union ones, man. Union are they, ones, yeah. Are they getting that good, dude? 100%. Fakers, the people who are faking stuff are... are always know what doesn't pass and let's say check, check or something, right? Right. So they know that 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 one thing that failed is what they have to improve on. So they're consistently changing. And that's the the thing with fakes. And that's the reason that uh, like a photo ledger makes the most sense is you can identify that exact sneaker based on a photo. So a thread sticking out, a pattern on the actual sneaker, a scratch on the midsole, all those types of things. Like essentially in order to fake that sneaker, they would have to figure out what's on my NFC tag somehow pair it to our blockchain and then fake that fake sneaker to make it look like the actual fake that's the real that's in the tag.
0: This guy, Brian, is ahead of the game, man. Because uh, I hate to say it, one of my good friends, he's like my little homie, uh, Ian connor he had started a brand called Revenge X Storm, crushed the game, had it. Killed it. And somebody 3D printed his entire, the infiltrated the entire operation. Because that's another thing with China. Found the factory. He couldn't tell. How about the fucking owner of the factory couldn't tell where it was coming from? That's how identical it was. That's why you never see it on, you don't see it on, um, you don't see it anywhere. They're 40 bucks. You can't, you know, it's just, it fucked up the whole game. Yeah. So um, you're talking about, you know, affiliates and stuff like that and everything. So I heard you're starting an associate program. What does that mean for associates?
1: So associates, it's similar to like a profit sharing. So unlike any other platforms, we're willing to give a percentage back. So in essence, like, let's say you have a grail sneaker, like a Paris dunk, right? And instead of you just listing it on an app like StockX Goat on Deadstock, you'll have tens of thousands of people trying to get the commission for that sale. So instead of you, uh, the buyer, randomly seeing that sneaker on the site, they're now being sold it by 10,000 people. And that's a big difference. Being sold something or randomly stumbling upon something are two different ways of selling. This is going to increase the cash flow for our sellers turn their money over because they are small businesses so they can go buy more product to list onto deadstock to make more money faster. And gives them an incentive. Exactly.
0: Look at that. Look, yeah. everyone else is out for themselves. He's out for the people. 100%. Okay? Yeah. So, look, let's talk about your little background for a second, right? Sure. Like, what was the per- first pair of sneakers you ever brought?
1: Honestly, like, I grew up a skater. So, I was in the DC shoe, Etnies, uh, Lakai S, area, more so D.C. And then as we all know, like if you've been in the sneaker industry for a long time, since like dial-up modem eBay days, you know that when SBs came out, it was a huge separation between like selling out and remaining a skater and then rocking SBs because Nike came out of nowhere and just started putting million dollar checks in front of your favorite skater. And you had to you had to figure out if you wanted to be like a corporation, like sell your soul. Or still be a hardcore skater, so that that I I'd have to say my first sneakers that I love were like DC shoes.
0: What's the most you've ever actually spent on a sneaker?
1: My second pair of Paris Dunks I bought for thirty thousand. Jesus Christ, bro! Yo, last list is ninety eight five.
0: Fuck! I think I paid. I don't think I paid more than three hundred. to two fifty for mine. I bought two pairs for like three. Like I, I think, think I bought was, two pairs for like five or six hundred bucks. Yeah, and I had them when they dropped, and um, I wore one pair. They still were probably a nine seven nine eight NDS like it was yeah. it's crazy. Did you ever wait in line for, to sneaker shops? Like, would you ever go to those, like stores and wait in lines and stuff? Oh man, I
1: I, I got in shit so many times. My parents one time, uh, my my dad's side of the family is in New York, so we went out there. They were like, "Yo, like we're gonna go visit your grandma, right?" I got in <laughs> shit. I got in shit. So like whatever. <laughs> so they okay, cool. I'm just getting out of the city. I went to New York. My parents fucking left me there. They took my passport and flew back to Canada. And I was stuck there the whole summer, bro. I had the whole summer lined up. Like, and it was just because I got in shit. But yeah, that's like I was skating and and then um yeah, I, w- I, w- I would go in lines all the time, man. Like Supreme, Supreme Lines, hot dog water, you're smelling like hot dog water for two days, Jesus New York, Christ. LA. All day, yeah. I mean, that was that was a definite time in sneaker culture, right?
0: No, definitely that was the culture, you yeah. know. So what do you think about the sneaker culture now? Like what honestly, just to be honest. I mean, bro, if it's fucked up, it's fucked up, you know. Yo, I love it.
1: It might be fucked up to some people like that people are just paying astronomical, you know, amounts of money for a Paris dunk, but like, or that the, everyone's reselling like their like it's like I was reading this article where someone was kind of making a comparison of like girls doing nails. It's like guys are now just selling sneakers and all the girls are doing nails. Like everyone seems like they're selling sneakers, but it's great. Like for me, I feel like right. I feel that's a great thing. Like more sneakerheads, more sneaker culture, more more art, more everything, man. Like, why not? And you
0: had no idea about my <laughs> my history in the sneaker game Dude, and then the summer here, here, game. Here's the
1: thing is like, I have a disconnect because I was in Canada. If I grew up in LA, it'd be a different story.
0: A bro, I had people, disconnect. People, yeah. people, in, people in fucking Canada, Japan. Every, bro, I had the world record-breaking highest sneaker auction ever in history. Like, I beat the Michael Jordan Katrina auction, bro. This was like, oh, four you know, I had the, I mean, did you know I was a collector though? Like a serious level collector? Yeah, I knew
1: you were a serious level collector for sure. But yeah. I, I didn't know to what extent. But the thing is, is like, I was still like very stuck in like not selling out to Nike. Even though I was on Nike Talk and I was, you know, moving Air Maxes and Air Force Ones. Because that's what it was in back right. in the day. No one can say that there was Ones and all these things were reselling. Like it was really SBs, uh, Air, Air Maxes. Air Maxes was and, the
0: shit, especially on Nike Talk. 100%. You know? 100%. Especially 100%. in Canada.
1: Yeah, 100%. It was there was a disconnect there where where like I was a reseller on eBay like dial-up modem days, um, and I was in and out like through different businesses and like and there was a point where like sneakers weren't selling well at that time, yeah. And you lose interest because you're it's there affecting was a point, money, There right? was
0: a point in time definitely from like '05 to like '09 where you just didn't see shit even to like maybe 2010 or something. It was just like there, been there, there was laws. a there was a yeah. dead area. And then when it came out, it it's just like, I'm, I can't even. You know what's crazy is I would see people wear dunks like in 08, 09, didn't even know why they were wearing them. 100%. And I was a big part of pushing that dunk culture early. And now it's back again right now, which is crazy. I remember when the SB started kind of coming back, and I remember Ian Conner was a big part of that. And I was like, I wish you guys even, fu-. I'm like, you know what, fuck, it's not even worth my time telling people, you know, people are like, oh, you always been involved in everything. No, motherfucker, I was there. You was not there, you know? And then like, Bari. My boy who owns V-Loan, um, he's part of our family, our OG family and stuff. And he was like, you know, he's such a young dude. He's he's very young. People think that Barry's like in his 30s or 40s. He's really, really young. You know, Barry's barely like 26 now or something, 27. And he's 22, having a huge brand. And he started doing some very deep research. And a couple other people, Sean Witherspoon, other people started doing deep, deep research. And when they found out I was part of the Blue House, that that fuck like it fucked him up, and I think he looked at me differently. I was like, "Damn, Ben's just not a dickhead. Drives a Rolls Royce and has you know money, whatever. He's a jeweler. They understood at that point. Okay, Ben knows James Jebbia. Ben knows these people. He knows Eddie Cruz. So it was a different thing, you know. Um, by the way, you do know that I designed the, the Sean Witherspoon Air Max. I
1: do. <laughs> I know. I know you had a part in that a hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Okay. So. Did you ever have a, a dream or a wish or any aspiration to like create a shoe, like to, to collab or make a shoe? Like, I mean, I don't think anyone
1: hasn't. Right. Like, if you've been in that culture that long, like 100%, you've thought of, of who you'd want to collaborate with or what kind of sneaker you'd want to work on. So, and, what would it be?
0: What, if you could do any shoe right now and it'd be the, the Deadstock shoe, what would it be?
1: I would say I'd have to go to my roots and do an SB.
0: Oh, shit.
1: Okay. 100%. I'd have to go to a skateboard shoe. Yeah, I'd have to. I'm surprised that even Dior, I want Dior to drop an SB, bro. Like, they, that would have been fucking hard. If they I, would have returned with an SB, it would have been I crazy. think Virgil
0: might do it first. I think, oh, dude, I think, he, I think. Somebody
1: has to. I think they will. They got a jump My on question that.
0: is this. Yeah. I don't know, and I wish I asked Jeff this. When did they remove the SB Zoom sole? You know, the super cushiony sole, like how the first two or three series, you put your foot in the shoe and it's like, you know. Just sink in. They're not just saying that like, it's, I couldn't it's like a, tell you the year. I couldn't tell you the year. Yeah, I, I just I don't get it. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Because I've been yeah, SBs like, this so long. And you know, Paul came to my house, and you know, people are like, how do you know P Rod? I'm like, motherfucker, I used to skate. But at the same time, people saw P Rod in the man cave. They're like, holy shit, Paul came himself. And I was like, yeah, that's my dog. Um, so SB, okay, that's what's up, bro. So look, I do a lot of giveaways. Just a little while ago, I gave away a $60,000 watch. The dude who won the watch,
1: it's actually in Canada.
0: Yeah, in fucking Canada. From London, Ontario. Complex Canada had featured the stars. I was like, what the fuck? But it was crazy because Canada's on the come up, you know. So you're doing some big giveaways. Um, can you tell me what big giveaway you're doing?
1: I Right now, off launch until September. So from July 15th until September 15th, we were giving away a customized, brand new Toyota Supra 2021 um, Acropovic exhaust wrapped, uh and forged wheels, and new tires what the fuck so that's over 100 grand isn't it that, that's that's
0: it's probably around 100 grand. yeah okay
1: yeah and
0: um like so how, how do people participate to get that that's super. same
1: kind of deal that you had with like your watch is you buy anything on the app every dollar spent equals one entry and then we'll have like close to the end we'll probably have like we'll probably do like a late bird one where like closer to when it ends we'll do like triple the points quadruple the points and that's how we're gonna roll anything you buy
0: Holy shit, you guys hear that? Listen, Deadstock app is giving away approximately a $100,000 Toyota Supra. If you guys understand the car culture, anybody in the JDM world understand. He said Brixton Forged. There are a lot of bullshit wheels out there. Brixton is not one of those bullshit companies. I put Brixton up there with HRE, um, I know that Anarchy's popular here and there, but they're like on that ADV1 wave. Very, very high-end wheels. Akrapovic exhaust, European. They've always had really good exhaust. They do exhaust for Ducatis all the way down to Porsches and everything else. That is fucking crazy, but bro. What's,
1: but what's even crazier is the giveaway we're going to do uh, right after that. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give away my 2018 Lamborghini Performante TT. Jesus Christ. So... When is that going to happen? that's going to happen right after September 15th
0: Okay, so you definitely have to download this app because he's about to give away a Pefmonte, guys, retail price on this was 390 so that, you know and the car's gone up because the car game is crazy they're not ever making a monte ever again you know that was it so that is the fact you know what I say a lot of bad things about Lamborghini, and I feel bad because they unfollowed me on Instagram right and I own. <laughs> let's just say I own seven to 10 Lamborghinis in the last 15 years or so. Let me say that's the only car I didn't own because the doors don't go up. And I do regret it because it's probably the best driving car that they actually have. That is fucking nuts. Okay. So where do you foresee dead stock will be in five years? And where do you want to be in the next five years?
1: Deadstock will be uh, a global force in five years, uh, probably over 10 warehouses, Asia, Europe, Every just can't everywhere, like just we're just gonna have at least 10 warehouses around the world, um, shipping service everywhere, probably over a thousand employees by then, um, and a billion dollar company.
0: Okay, yeah. Do you plan on having a brick and mortar store at any given moment, just forever, just to have one? Fuck it,
1: yeah, 100%. I think, I think like vertically integrating through the business is probably one of the smart things. It's like they're already drop off zones for StockX Goat, so having a store just makes sense.
0: I mean, look. Going into a store, there's something nostalgic about like that's why, you know, I go to Riff here and there. There's something nostalgic about seeing it in your hands, you 100%. know, seeing it boom. Having that it on, whole whatever.
1: shopping experience, seeing all the accessories laid out, it's much different than viewing them as like a thumbnail on an app. It's just it's something about that. I agree.
0: Right. So what else do you have? besides sneakers on there. You did say trading cards and stuff, but are you going to be selling anything besides like will you sell watches? Are you guys going to sell bare bricks? Are you guys going to sell other things on Deadstock?
1: Yeah. As long as it fits within uh like the streetwear lifestyle, we'll definitely sell that. Oh. Anything that is is any reach from from streetwear. If anyone likes sneakers and they like, let's say, you know, yeah, bare bricks, then it makes sense.
0: That's fucking awesome, bro. Where let me ask you last question, bro. Where is your favorite place that you've been to? to go shopping for sneakers?
1: I would have to say
0: LA. Oh my God, bro. I am <laughs> born. I was born and raised here, dog.
1: I know, but I wasn't. That's a thing. Like I wasn't. So my perception of it is, is completely different. I've always loved California.
0: Yeah, no, I love Cali. I'm just gonna let you know right now, bro. LA's, it, it's good, I'm sure. Bro, nothing will ever touch the Mecca and the Mecca is Tokyo, bro. Yeah, it's, I was just thinking Japan right it's now, I Juku, yeah. It's just a whole different level, and you guys know I've already said I could live there. I've been going to Tokyo for 25 years now, and um, just the food, I love everything about Tokyo, but they kill it. It's a different level. I mean, everything that people are doing now, from even Domaini when he started Flight Club, when he started Vintage Kicks, all these other stores, Riff even, those are all derived from Japanese reselling. That's where they started it. You know what I'm saying? So, yo, Brian, dude, thank you very much for coming on the show. Can you tell people where to find you, where to find Deadstock app? Like, give me all the call-out shit. All right,
1: Deadstock app is available on iOS, Android, and the web. Um, Our website is www.deadstock.co, and download the app. All
0: right, the app is called Deadstock Deadstock. app, right? Just Deadstock. And what's uh, the Instagram and the YouTube page?
1: IG is deadstock.app, A-P-P, and then uh, our Facebook is Deadstock LA, and
0: then our YouTube
1: is just Deadstock.
0: Okay. Well, beautiful. So, listen, to, um, you guys, make sure you join the Deadstock Associate program that is available because the app is available now live as of this recording. Look, he is putting money back in your pocket. You could go reuse that and put it back into the app. Buy sneakers, sell sneakers, make money, buy sneakers for free. Because when I say for free, look, when you make a profit on a sneaker and you go back and put it back in a sneaker, you're helping the culture. And you're also putting money back in your pocket. And you're also putting Fresh Kicks on your feet. The app is available now as we speak. Yo, Brian, is there anything else you want to say before we go off? No. Uh,
1: thank you so much for having me, though, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Man.
0: Hey, madam I'm really happy to have you as my first sneakerhead dude on here. And congrats on deadstock.app. Uh, make sure you follow the dude. And yo, Miles, can you throw on some Lakey Lake real quick? And let's get into some. Uh, yeah, there it is. That's my shit right there. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay, we'll be right back, y'all. Mouthwash hasn't changed much in the last 30 years. The bottles are still big and bulky made from a ton of plastic and filled with mostly water. Thankfully, the oil care experts at Quip are bringing your rinse into the 21st century, giving you more of the ingredients you need and less of the stuff you can get from your faucet. Quip's new refillable mouthwash kills bad breath germs and helps prevent cavities by pairing their four times concentrated formula with a sleek, refillable dispenser you won't want to hide under your sink. Quip's rinse has no alcohol or artificial colors and the dispenser's compact footprint fits any bathroom big or small. Head to quip.com slash code right now and you can get $5 off a mouthwash starter kit. That's $5 off a mouthwash starter kit at getquip.com slash code spelled g-e-t-q-u-i-p dot com slash c-o-d-e so um please make sure you download that deadstock app uh there are links on my instagram stories and then In these uh, podcast notes, I was able to secure one of my grails off the app. If you go to my IG stories, you'll see what I'm talking about. But okay, guys, I am fucking exhausted. My body hurts. My fucking mouth is dry. No cap. I am anxiety ridden still. Okay. I had a hell of a week in Chicago and now I'm low key shook. All right. I took a COVID rapid antigen test as soon as I landed at LAX on Saturday afternoon, and I also took a PCR test just to make extra sure. But I wanted to know within 15, 20 minutes if I had COVID. Because I was careful. I wore a mask. Even though you saw me with pictures without a mask, trust me, I put the motherfucker back up immediately after I finished taking a picture. But I might have slipped up a little bit, okay? I get it. You know, No money is worth you know, risking my family's health and everything else. There's a duty I had to do. This was planned here and there, whatever, boom. It was just, you know, it was a decision. I was like, hey, man, I'm going to go in and do what I got to do and try to be as safe as I can. So PCR test was negative. Anti-test, I mean, the antigen test immediately was negative. So that's a good thing right now, right? But I'm on my way in 45 minutes to get another final antigen test done. And if that comes back positive, then I'm gonna have to probably quarantine. I don't want to be in the man cave. I'm just gonna go get a hotel and stay there for a few days and figure it out and monitor the shit. I'll obviously, you know, um, document everything, let you guys know, be fully transparent. But if it comes back negative within 20 minutes, I will be rejoined with my family. I've been talking to them with the mask in the house here and there, but I'm sleeping in separate rooms. Um, I don't really have any symptoms currently. But guys, when you get anxiety as bad as I do, you can feel warm inside. You might feel like you have a fucking fever. You could have weird body aches. You can make yourself feel all types of fucking weird ways. You could think you have fucking every disease in the world, okay? Your mind is, is the fucking, the first thing you gotta make sure strong, right? But my saturation levels are good. I'm at a 97 oxygen, 98, right? My chest does feel a little heavy, but I think that's just the panic and nervousness of my dumb heart. Hypochondriac ass. All right. So, anyways, Chicago was a fucking movie. All right. It was the the fucking place, Chicago, right? It was all the way lit. Okay. Before I continue, I just must, I have to give many thanks to my ace, John Sife who assisted me my entire trip in the Windy City. Now, Sife is a Chi Town native. and he is a friend of mine for just over a decade. So he, he's known me for a minute, you know what I'm saying? He's he's very intuitive, he's very, you know, and just he's smart, sharp as a motherfucker, okay? He's actually known about me for two decades now though because he was on Nike Talk and all that shit and everything else. He is currently working for Kanye West and my bro, the legend, Chicago legend, John Monopoly, who started the whole motherfucking pyramid of all the Chicago great motherfuckers in the last 30 years, okay? Okay. But Seif is a fucking soldier. He held me down while working for fucking Ye and doing all that shit because there was supposed to be a private dinner. Um, I think on Thursday night we were supposed to go to, but you know it got canceled. Ye's still locked up in the fucking Mercedes-Benz thing. And uh, my boy Seif is having a baby today, his second child, okay? So congrats, bro. And if you do, Have the kid. God bless you if you don't. I'm sure it's happening tomorrow, the day after whatever. Thank you again, Syph. I owe you a million. You already know, bro. Okay, but yeah. The National was insane, right? It was a huge convention. Like if you've been to huge conventions in Vegas, wherever the fuck you go, Atlantic City, I don't know. But it was the typical huge fucking convention in Rosemont, Illinois, right? Um, In a convention center. What it showed me immediately is that Vegas Dwarf has no fucking clue what he's talking about because the sports card industry has not slowed down at all. In fact, it was an overdrive twin turbo mode, okay? I'm telling you, Rosemont, Illinois, was fucking active as a motherfucker, and my meet and greet went excellent. Okay, guys, thank you for everyone who showed up. I am sorry to those who were told that it was, you know, that was it, and I, cause I was only supposed to be there for an hour, even though I was there for way longer than that, but they had to take the booth and line away, whatever, after a certain point. And I get it. Look, that's love literally on a national level. I appreciate everyone that that waited to meet my ugly ass, right? Shout out to Blake Jameson and F Dot and uh, Lauren Taylor. It's great to finally meet you guys. And uh, my dude, Naturelle. Some of you guys are my Project 2020 fam And some of you guys are newer And just my Project 70 fam Uh, Shout out to the entire Top staff My dude Jeff My guy Mike My bro Brandon And the rest of the Top's team So yeah I sold everything I brought to the show Except like one or two Kyle Lewis uh, Silver Ben Baller autos So if um, you're interested in a Kyle Lewis Silver Ben Baller auto Hit my DM or email me because the BBDTC.com site is down for right now. And uh, I wasn't aggressively putting it out there. Everything else I brought to the show was gone. That was it. The price is right. It's on the low. Just hit me. Uh, but yeah, going to the National was an experience. It was my first time. It was a lot of people's first times. And it was fucking awesome. Shout out to my dude, Dan Fleischman, and the Coffee Breakers crew, my boy Steve Aoki. Yo, Someone offered my boy Dan $35,000 for my Project 2020 101 Gold Mike Trout card, and he said no. (laughs) Now, I don't know if that motherfucker set it up or whatever, but it was crazy. He said no, all right? It's pretty impressive. Um, But more importantly, there were at least 60,000 people inside that convention at any given time, okay? I would say maybe ten. 15% at most had masks on. It was insane, okay? I guarantee that they never had a turnout like that before. In fact, the people from the national did, they, they said that they never, this was the biggest national ever, okay? Wednesday was even crazier than Thursday, but I got so shook that I left after 10 minutes. You know, I didn't even take my mask off for one second, okay? And even on Thursday, right before my event, I got to the fucking convention center I got such bad anxiety that I ran to the bathroom. I had to fucking wipe that whole motherfucker down with Clorox wipes, and I had diarrhea, okay? Yeah, I know, TMI. But Friday was crazy as fuck, Two at the National. By the way, trying to get an Uber in Rosemont, okay, or even Chicago, period, was just impossible, all Right, It took me over an hour just to get from O'Hare to the hotel, the hotel's on the mile, right? At 1 p.m. in the afternoon on a fucking Wednesday, I've never seen traffic that bad before, okay? The average wait time for an Uber or Lyft at most of the times was like an hour to 90 minutes. At the convention, forget about it. Downtown Chicago, real bad. 30 minutes on a fucking whatever random time, okay, just to get a fucking car to go wherever, okay? I could have got a hotel room in Rosemont, I know. It made my life easier. But I plan on seeing more friends. I don't want to be around where it's fucking dead. Everything closes. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was a Dave Busters over there. And I was planning on going to see it. But, you know, I wanted to eat in downtown. I wanted to see some friends out there. I was, I was possibly going to go to Lollapalooza. You know what I'm saying? To go see Tyler. Which, um, by the way, Lollapalooza made the city even 10 times crazier and in 10 plus years this was the most lit i've ever seen chicago and whether you want to believe it or not like we're still dead in a fucking pandemic and it's getting worse all right over 120 000 people filled grant park every day in chicago for a lollapalooza and the streets were insane after the show ended like i was supposed to go see tyler on friday night But I got really shook I was like man Fuck this I declined Like I don't give a fuck What kind of VIP Whatever It just was crazy But yo Can we talk about Chicago food real quick All right, You guys know That there's a festival Or maybe you may not know There's a festival Called Taste of Chicago It's been going on For like 40 plus years It's fucking famous Right I don't know how long it's been They started That food festival wave Okay So I always eat good When I'm in Chicago I don't fucking eat McDonald's or anything else Whatever I'm just saying I don't eat Chipotle None of that shit No franchise food, unless it's like a local Chicago shit, all right? Now, on Wednesday night, though, I didn't feel like being outside or whatever. I was just tired, so I ordered some Postmates. I had some Harold's, you know what I'm saying? Them Harold's wings, some catfish with that famous Harold's mild sauce. Mm. Man, I know they they got Harold's here in LA, but it just ain't the same, okay? Now, I personally like Buffalo Joe's and Evanston better, but that shit was too far. So, anyways, real quick, guys, two major restaurant alerts. One in Logan Square. That's this Greek spot called Andros Tavern. All right. This fucking spot had the best Greek food I've ever had anywhere in the world. Okay. It was flames all day. Everything was delicious. It was just fucking, I mean, even the fucking pita, just, you know, but I love bread, but some places have bad pita, whatever. This shit was just, it was gourmet. The chef is from French Laundry, so he knows when I'm, he gets it. It's fucking full culinary excellence. And now the next spot is a spot downtown called Sunda. S-U-N-D-A, right? It is a Japanese Filipino fusion spot sushi bar. It's ran by a new homie of mine. He happened to know who I was. He said he was a fan, everything, whatever. But his name is Momo, Michael Momo. He's the head chef there. And bruh, he brought out just I wasn't even hungry like that because I just, banned, but he brought out this baller roll with truffle on it, fucking toro, gold flakes, caviar, crispy rice, like this shit I've got like, man, okay? He broke out adobo fried rice and that shit was lit, okay? He brought out crispy pata. Okay, if you are Filipino, you already know what the fuck crispy pate is. I can't even break it down to you. Shit is delicious. This fucking restaurant was fucking amazing, okay? And Sunda also, they also own a club right down the street called Underground. And um, on the night that I was eating, Jack Harlow was performing at that spot with my boy Sheck Wes. But uh, I was like, fuck this, I'm washed. I called it early, but Saif and, and Momo and all of them, they went over there to go see that shit. But those two two spots I just named are definite must-visit places in Chicago. And of course, I went and hit the OG RSVP gallery to show my bro, Don, see some love. Um, Of course, they reciprocated with with gifts. You know what I'm saying? It's just crazy how much Wicker Park and Logan Square has fucking gentrified. It's just crazy. Like, it's just different, okay? Guys, I love Chicago, All right? I was gonna have a pop-up, you know, and do it just nonchalant, but I hit my boy Joe Fresh Goods up too late, and he had something going on with my boy Anwar Carrots, and um, actually Freddie Gibbs as well, so I don't want to do like a bootleg little jump off just because, and I was going to do this, this new uh, sneaker reseller spot, and I was like, nah, let me do it official next time, you know, definitely next time, okay, so Saturday morning, I wake up, and I read some terrible fucking news about another old friend of mine, this person though I've known for way longer than TK, but Uh, Gonzo is a famous rapper uh, from the young gangster rapper group Caution. Caution with a K, right? Which was signed under Ice Cube. They had two hit songs. And uh, I had signed Gonzo to a solo record deal at Priority Records, okay? And that was in 1996. So it was a long fucking time ago, right? 25 fucking years ago. He managed to finesse his life as a rapper. And uh, he was really smart, man. You know, smart dude, good person. He was recently on a celebrity boxing match with uh, Bosco 100. And uh, Gonzo was close to Tupac. In fact, Gonzo made my relationship with Pac better because, you know, they were so cool, right? And we were going to go see Pac together. I remember he's like, yo, let's fly to see Pac, man. As soon as Pac got shot on that Friday, he was like, yo, let's go see him. Let's go see him. But I couldn't leave. Don't even remember what the fuck I was going on that week But I remember the day he died Obviously I talked about it in the K-Town Hustle series I was supposed to meet him the day he was actually pronounced dead Anyways Gonzo was gunned down in Seattle Of all places okay, Near a gas station And when the ambulance picked him up He was a uh, DOA So I just don't know what the fuck is going on But uh, my condolences to his family To his son uh, Gonzo was 45 Gone way too soon he sent me a DM, and I didn't even see it until I went to his page to see his last photo, and I decided to just go to messages, and he's like, yo, bro, I just did an interview with DJ Vlad, and, or Vlad TV, whatever, and I just told him how legit we knew each other and, and the, the extent of our relationship, yada, yada, and just hope everything's all good. It's just fucking sad. I didn't see the message, man. You know, I don't know what the fuck is going on in the world, but people, please be safe. Life is a trip. Shit has just gone all the way mad. Crazy. Okay, now for some more bad news. Florida has broke the single day record for new COVID infections with over 21,000 cases, almost 22,000 cases, okay, for one fucking day. All right, they have more daily cases in the state of Florida than the entire country of Russia, okay? Even the, the entire country of France in a single day does not have as many new cases as fucking Florida does, okay? And I'm sure it's from Rolling Loud and all that shit, and that started it, okay? But now Texas has, and I'm just, sorry, jump into a different state now. Texas has more COVID deaths than New York State does. Great job, Texas, right? You know, with the the fucking, trying to block the mandates for masks. You guys, it's just fucking geniuses, okay? I'm staying masked up, and I'm following the rules. Uh, There's supposed to be a third vaccine shot from Pfizer that protects against the Delta variant. And guess what? I'm going to run to get that bitch as soon as I can, okay? Like, I'm I'm fucking dead ass here. I will literally stop everything I'm doing to grab that motherfucking shot, all right? My cousin was just saying, at this point, everyone's just going to get it. So fuck it. Now, fuck you, Steve. <laughs> I can't let that shit hit London, all right? I just can't. Um, I got into a discussion about the topic of cases and deaths and all this other shit. And there is a Twitter account that follows me that I think could possibly be a bot or a smart troll account. And his handle is at Daron Knoll. D A R O N K N O L. Of course, there's no picture of his face. He's, you know, Mr. fucking whippersnapper. Go read his tweets. Okay. He's a super anti vaxxer. It's beyond painful to read this shit. Sometimes it's funny. He thinks there is an agenda. He thinks they're trying to be, a, there's a world takeover. It's just fucking nuts. Okay. He really thinks that this is all an agenda for the government to take over our lives. Okay. Just read his timeline. It is fucking, it's funny. It's stupid. It's sad. It, he says he got three degrees. Summa cum laude. Okay. Okay, Duran, Darren, what the fuck your name is. He also said there hasn't been one official single death from COVID in the world. COVID is like a flu. There's no way you die of something else. Guys, I'm telling you. I know it's Monday, but please, people, like, I want you to understand, people like this exist in the world. Fuck the news. Fuck social media. Common sense is not so common, and he thinks he's so fucking smart. It's, it's insane. All right, there's also an eviction moratorium that ended yesterday. And that means a lot of states will be evicting families who are behind in rent. And um, a few of the major states, like New York and California, they have a couple more months before they can evict. But this shit is like, unless Biden turns it over or whatever, it's sad. Have you guys, you live in LA, have you guys seen what's going on in Westwood by the federal building and by the Veterans Hospital? Like, I've never seen it this bad. Have you, seen, you guys seen fucking Santa Monica, Venice Beach? Have you guys seen downtown? Have you guys seen fucking underneath every freeway from Hollywood to fucking Woodland Hill? It's just terrible. Okay, and it's gonna get uglier. So I'm asking you guys: be smart about life. Work hard. You know, work at any means necessary. I'm being totally serious when I say this. Some of you guys, if if you just feel like, nah, man, fuck that. I I need to take a vacation. I just need to have this break. But whatever. Look, dog, don't look at me. Don't compare yourself to me, ever. I'm saying I would not try to compare myself with elon musk or something okay if your mind being clear means more to you right and that means you you need to go to tulum or bahamas to clear your head right and that's more important than paying rent or something important like your car or some shit then okay look backpedal to the terry kennedy situation okay i'm serious think about your future for real Every time I think of my time in the Bay Area, I think about how, listen man, I said this every morning, fuck this, it was written. When I was in practice getting pounded by someone, I was getting shit talked on by whatever it may be. And you know, I know I was a little cocky here and there, but it was written for me. I said, it's gonna happen regardless, okay? Nobody can fucking stop what's about to happen. Greatness is gonna happen, I know it is, okay? You gotta ask yourself, are you currently in a position or a place where you know you're gonna be great, but it's just not your time yet? Okay. And then do you have haters pushing you down and they just don't know about your destiny and that later they'll wish they never acted like that? Yeah, that was fucking me. Okay. It took 30 fucking years for me to get here. All right, 30. I wish it was five, I wish it was three, I wish it was even ten, okay? Yeah, yeah, I made my first million in 2004. No, that doesn't count, all right? I had to lay in the cut like a motherfucker. I was on that, now. I'm just going to eat one meal, you know, a week, you know, figure it out, This that's not important, whatever, you know, the master plan, just stay focused, stay on track, okay? So again, there is no escalator or elevator to success, Okay? There wasn't even fucking stairs for me. I had to climb trees and some of these trees didn't have branches. So guys, I'm telling you, think about your future, pay serious attention to your future, set goals, stick to them. All right. All right, guys, enough with the serious shit. Let's pivot into some sports real quick. I spoke to my boy, Jamal Adam, yesterday, uh, He said the deal with the Seahawks is coming soon. Um, Meanwhile, the Seahawks practice been looking real nice, real good. Okay. Also, breaking news this weekend from my Lake show, we got the Brody, a.k.a. Mr. Why Not, Russell Westbrook, my homie from the LBC, is officially a Laker. So now we truly got a dangerous big three. But we definitely need some more vets to help out. I heard, you know, we might pick up Carmelo, um... I'm excited to see what happens today by 6 p.m. with, with free agency and such, right? But uh, we signed this cold ass white boy, Mac McClung, who I think is actually might be colder than Crusoe a little bit. He got some swag, man. I, you know, but I don't want to see Crusoe leave. Okay, but we need players who are cheap, and I don't like Dwight. And I said some shit publicly about it, but I get it. If he can help us out and help AD, you know, like you know, take a load off of AD off the bench and take fouls and shit and everything else, you know, we do need a faster five man. Because Gasol just ain't doing it But that motherfucker bro Just Dwight rubs me the wrong motherfucking way man And then free throws man Fifty fucking three percent or fifty four percent God damn But I am excited to see what Russ does for us He told me a long time ago He didn't want to play in LA If you guys saw my Instagram stories You know like fucking five years ago I manifested this shit So I'm happy he is here All right. Pivot to crypto real quick guys Ethereum is climbing up, it's creeping nicely back into that good spot. I hope it goes, you know, even higher. Okay. Doge is steady at 21 cents. Um Bitcoin dropped a tiny bit, right? It's fucking around here, sticking at the 40s. It, it went, jumped up a little bit. I was hit 45 this weekend, but it didn't. I think the comeback is gonna be real ugly, you know. Real ugly for those who didn't invest is what I'm saying. Okay. So what I'm trying to say is I still feel real bullish. All right now for Entertainment. I bought Jungle Cruise. It's fucking thirty dollars for Jungle Cruise, right, from my kids. But if we went to the movies, I took all my wife and the three kids. it shit would have been, you know, two hundred bucks, right? So I'm not complaining. Bought Jungle Cruise, right? I thought it was gonna be the shit and whatever. And my kids told me they didn't like it very much. You know, I don't know. So take that for what it is. You know, don't. I don't know, man. Just take it with a grain of salt. But Raising Canaan, episode three, was fucking fire again. 50 does it again. So far, it's just all three episodes, trifecta, great, okay? So definitely watch that if you haven't, if you have the Stars app or Stars on cable, that is definitely something you need to watch. And now, guys, before we end the show, I need to say something really important because I had motherfuckers mad about this fucking baby shit and all this other stuff and saying all these dumbass fucking things. And I need to say something really, really important, okay? I hear the term cultural vulture Like, too often. Funny thing is, my boy Dame Dash actually invented that term. He created that term legitimately. He was the first person to say it. He was the first person to make it go platinum, okay? And it's just so funny how divided some dumbass idiots want to be and don't realize who's on their side, right? But look, I mean, listen. I've never had a problem with a group of people unless it was a rival sports team, okay? I got issues with individuals. I don't give a fuck what color you are, what religion you are, what sexual preference you, you know, why your sexual preference is. I don't give a fuck what your political stance is. Really, okay? So don't come to me with anything about some type of phobia shit. I deal with people directly, not groups, not anything else. All right, that's it, guys. Anyways, last thing. Don't forget, this Friday, August 6th, I will be at Cookies San Bernardino from 4 to 6 p.m., launching my strain in the IE for the first time. If you live in the 909, yo, show your boy some love and pull up, all right, this Friday, August 6th, 4 to 6 p.m. Um, but guys, that is it for the weekend wrap-up. <sighs> wow, what an episode, okay? Please make sure you hit that subscribe button if you have not subscribed already. And please, I have one duty to ask of you guys. Tell a friend to tell a friend about B-T-B. All right. I love you guys so much. God bless. Make it a great day. Make it a great week. All right, y'all. I'm out. Peace.